Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business. Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory Cyber Security Culture Series. Troy Filosevic joins the podcast today and is the founder and CEO of Emergence, an underwriting agency 100% focusing on providing insurance solution for cyber risk. Emergence is a market leader provider of cyber solutions and has been credited with changing the market through their approach. Emergence has a presence in Australia and New Zealand and won the Underwriting Agency of the Year Award for 2019. In 2020, Emergence launched their Cyber Insurance for Families, a first for Australia. Previously to starting Emergence, Troy held executive roles at Suncorp and was the head of strategy. He also held roles in partnering and operational excellence that was responsible for improving business performance and also the technology business focused on designing and implementing the technology strategy. Prior to joining Suncorp, Troy worked as a management consultant for Deloitte and has a background in innovation and corporate strategy. During that time, he managed the internal innovation program as well as consulting to businesses on innovation, strategy and operations. Troy is a qualified mechanical engineer and holds a Bachelor of Business and MBA from the Australian Graduate School of Management too. And today he joins the Business Big Bang Theory. If you have a business problem or question, get in touch with us. We can get our team of advisors and experts to help you with your business problems in an upcoming show. So I'm Sarah. And I'm Kristen. We're from the Cybersecurity Culture Program here at the Business Centre Newcastle. This project is funded by the Australian Government Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources through the Cybersecurity Business Connect and Protect Program. The Australian Cybersecurity Centres, which is the ACSC, threat report for 2020 to 2021 through Report Cyber, cost on average small business almost $9,000 and medium businesses over $33,000, with over 12,000 reports that have been reported from New South Wales alone being the 18% of the national reports. So this series, we will be highlighting a range of cybersecurity issues within business around culture, impacts of breaches, what to look out for, real life stories, where to seek support and report a breach and some easy strategies to start protecting your customers and your brand. It's crucial to be proactive and have strategies in place for protection. So let's welcome today's guest, Troy, from Emergence Insurance to discuss ransomware and insurance. Hey, guys. All right, so let's take a look at, first of all, want to look at, in previous podcasts, we have already discussed ransomware in quite a lot of detail, and it's from a malicious software or malware, and it's described as a cyber criminal locking out, you know, people's files off their computer. So for a person to have access, again, they are held to financial ransom in exchange for returning that that access that they've lost. And the ACSC threat report for 2021 report that the recorded ransomware remains the most serious cybercrime threat due to its financial and disruptive impacts. So I guess, tell me a bit about this from your perspective of what you see with malicious software and malware and the cybercrime behind this and the disruptive impacts and then we'll move on to the you know the insurance piece of it sure ransomware is the hottest topic at the moment around cyber security and the impact on businesses not a day goes by where you, where you don't read something about it in the paper in industry magazines in the the area that we're in we're getting notified so we've got 16 or 17 uh, ransomwares going at the moment and helping businesses respond to those it is so easy to do 
and businesses aren't taking it seriously. Let me just take a step back and, and explain that a little bit more. The last couple of years around ransomware, all the examples that we're hearing about are for the big end of town. So if I'm a if I'm a small business owner, I'm not really interested in that because I can't I can't see how that applies to me. When you look at the impact on business and the resources that that SMEs have they're right in the sweet spot for getting impacted and getting targeted because they don't have in-house technology people looking at looking after the IT security of the business it's often outsourced and security is an afterthought small businesses are too busy worried about servicing customers making sure their business is running smoothly they're not worried about um, cybersecurity so they think they'll go to JB Hi-Fi, they'll buy a laptop, they'll get antivirus, they'll plug in their point of sale system and away they go with no afterthought or no, no thought about how do we protect what I've worked hard for for, for for so long. What we're finding is that it's not the big end of town that's getting ransomware anymore, it's, it's SMEs. And if you look at what's happening around in the environment, uh, the Labor Party came out a few months ago and they want to create a register uh, for people that are paying ransoms or being asked to pay ransoms. So it's a hot topic. It's forming part of the cybersecurity strategy, the 2020 cybersecurity strategy that the government's pushing. And when you think about the impact that it has on business, it's huge. When you walk into the office tomorrow morning and you get a note on your screen saying, your business has been held to ransom, I've got hold of your data, you're not getting it back until you pay me X amount. That's quite confronting. And we often get called at that stage to help them navigate that. And whether it's the corner shop or it's a, an SME business with 20 to 50 people, we've just dealt with one two months ago where it was a 300 person business that had operations in Australia and Singapore. The CEO didn't know how to react. And they don't deal with this on a day to day basis. When you don't have access to your systems, you don't have access to your data, you don't have a business. And this is why ransomware is getting so much focus and why it's easy for, for threat actors to use this as a, as a tool to extort money. Do you have a part-time business that you'd like to take full-time and beyond? Our experienced business advisors can support you in growing your area and making that big bang in business. Contact us at businesscentre.com.au. In your line of work, what are the trends that you see regarding ransomware attacks and... I'd like to make a point that I hear often from individuals that it's, but I'm only a small business. I have nothing on my computer that cyber criminals could want. Sure. If COVID has taught us anything, one of the things is that it doesn't matter. We don't have to rock up to work or a place of premises to work anymore. Uh, we can all re work remotely. The one thing that's, that's keeping us connected is technology. So it's not so much the bricks and mortar of the organisation that's keeping us together or running the business. It's the IT, the data, and the way that it, our teams are connected that's really the, the, the glue that's holding it all together. So I would say that technology and cybersecurity is, has come more to the forefront of, of businesses and what businesses should be thinking about because we're all comfortable with, with working remotely now. Mm. So once we've reconciled that, then the next thing is, how do we go about making us, ourselves more secure? Cybersecurity and data and IT infrastructure, they're all big buzzwords and it's really hard for people to, to rationalise because you can't touch and feel it. Mm -hmm. You can touch and feel a computer, you can touch and feel a desk, you actually you, you physically rock up to an office every day. Data you, you can't comprehend. 
And if you can't get access to that data, it might be your IP, you might be an architect that might have some blueprints and plans, you might be a manufacturing company that's got some IP around the widgets that it's spitting out, or you might be an accountancy practice that has data and files for, for organisations that you're actually doing the accounting for. All of that's valuable. And when you can't get access to that, you don't have a business. And where ransomware has come in, and Kristen, you, you asked around the evolution of that what we found a few years ago was ransomware was just starting to evolve. And it would be the, the, the perpetrators would normally get into your system by through malware, maybe a, a, an email, the person in the office would click on that email and that would download the malware, it would run in the system and would encrypt, it, encrypt the data. We would then get asked uh, to come in and help, help them do that. We would negotiate with the, with the hackers, they would send through a decryption key We'd unlock those files and we'd go through the rectification process. Fast forward to the last six months, last 12 months, that's now turned into not only ransomware, but extortion. So what they're doing now is they're getting into your systems. They're actually taking the data away so that they physically are holding that data. And then they're sending you a, a ransom note, but it's, it's more extortion that basically says, we've got hold of your data, either pay us a ransom or we'll start leaking that data on the dark web. And that might be personal information. It might be the, the IP of the organisation. It's things that have, are of value to that business. Unless you've got good backups, and we'll talk about ways that you can mitigate this, these sorts of things later. But if you don't have those things in place, then one of your options is to pay a ransom. So on that, I've read that you should pay it. You shouldn't pay it. Yeah. Tell me why. Like It's so contradictory and I would just pay it. There's a moral issue around around all this, and it's been debated quite significantly the last the last month. And I've been quite vocal uh, in the media around should you pay it. Actually, one of the reports pointed the finger at the insurance company. Oh, sorry, at the insurance industry that it's it's creating a market for for would be hackers because mm-hmm. they know that they can they can get paid. Yep. that's totally wrong and coming from the wrong place. Now, if you have good mitigants in place and you can respond to these, you can totally ignore the ransomware. Mm-hmm. If you don't, and we go through a, a process to start to identify what the impact is, but one of the one of the um, last resorts is that you do pay the ransom. Now, you could say, we're not going to pay the ransom and we're going to do the hard yards and it's going to take the, t- the business another two years to respond and get back on its feet. But it might be more economical to pay to pay a ransom and get the data back and then move on and, and rectify the situation so it doesn't happen again. I get asked a lot of questions around, well, if I do pay the ransom, what's the likelihood that it's not going to happen again? Yeah, that's what um, I'd be thinking. Yeah, and there's zero guarantee yeah. that, that, that that's the case. Sure. Or, or are you going to be highlighted because, oh, that company has yeah. paid before, so let's do, yeah, it again. let's do it again. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And all those things are valid, absolutely valid. I think about a, a business that we we helped last year. We actually paid the ransom. It was, it was quite significant. And when we were negotiating with a hacker, they had been in there for – into the system for over six months. So they, they, they'd worked their way around the network. They knew what was going on. They knew the business. And when we were negotiating and they asked for the first sum, we went back and said, look, that, that, that's quite a, a, large, a large sum. Can't afford that. They came back and they said, look, we've been in the business for six months. We actually know uh, the financials of the business and we actually know that they have a cyber insurance policy. Oh, so, oh, so pay up. So they've yeah. checked their policy and gone through that. Yep. To see where they where the gaps are. Very much so. Yeah, right. And there was uh, in the US about twelve months ago, uh, a cyber insurance company got breached, 
Wow. And they downloaded all the all the files of all the customers of the cyber insurance company and, and they went and targeted them. those guys oh. because they knew that they had insurance in place. So this is big business. Yeah. And it, in terms of the evolution, I spoke about you go in there, encrypt the data and they, they, they ask for a small consideration. Where we've seen now is that they, they take that data and they're in this negotiation process and it's quite unique and they're, they're quite brazen around the, how, they, how they go about that. And businesses need to consider how else they respond to that. I constantly use the Mike Tyson term that everyone's got a plan until they're punched in the face. <laughs> you've got to have plans in place. You've got to test those plans. You've got to make sure that you've got backups and the right way, the right mm-hmm. mitigants in place because there's, there's zero guarantee. You can never be 100% secure. Mm. You've got to work out, right? well, if I'm not 100% secure, what are the things that I need to have in the background to help mitigate that risk mm-hmm. so that I'm comfortable as a business to, to carry on? Mm. So what are some of those things that we need to have in place to mitigate these risks then? Yeah, and they're quite simple. I mm-hmm. think one of the one of the things, particularly small business, they hear all these buzzwords and cyber security, and oh, gee, mm-hmm. this is going to cost a fortune, yep. but it doesn't. It's it's very simple stuff, and okay. it, it's more housekeeping and, and good hygiene rather sure. than total re-engineering of their their IT systems. So things like multi-factor authentication. So making sure that if you're logging in in the morning, uh, that that you've got two-factor authentication around that. Anything around passwords. Uh, having good password practices, so not only having a password, but the the, the current term around now is passphrase. Mm-hmm. So making it longer, and the most common or the, the the common form of password is that it's seven digits long. There's a capital at the at the front, and there's a number at the end. And hackers know this formula. It's moving away from that, but definitely uh, multi-factor authentication, patching. So if you have an Apple phone, you'll know that you're constantly asking for software updates. Mm-hmm. Like, don't sit on that. They're asking you to patch for a reason. They've found a vulnerability in the software. They want you to patch and close that vulnerability down. So see it as a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as soon as you're told or tapped on the shoulder, go and patch, go and do it. Mm. And having good backups. A lot of the incidences that we've responded to, people don't have good backup practices or good backup hygiene. They're too reliant on the system. They don't test the backups. We responded where the, the client hadn't had backups for six months. So they literally had nothing. If we didn't pay a ransom, then they've lost their business. So in terms of backups, what does that mean? Is it putting it in the cloud somewhere? Is it putting it on a hard drive? Is it both those things? Putting it in the cloud. So the way that I think about it, and I'm not a techie person at all, but we've all worked in an office where they've got that big black thing in the corner of the room that gets no love, gathers dust, and it gets old and clunky. Whereas cloud providers, they're geared up and and they've set up themselves as that's their business. So Mm -hmm. it's constantly updated. It's got the latest technology and you, you you pay for what you use and it grows with your business. And you can set this up very simple. It's very cost-effective. In, in fact, it's, it's extremely cheap. Mm-hmm. And then the other, the other thing that cybersecurity experts talk about is air gapping. So having a backup of the system, but having mm-hmm. it disconnected to the network. So if your network does get attacked and you get a, um, a threat actor in your network, that, the, that you've got a, you've got a, um, a, a backup that's disconnected mm-hmm. so they can't touch it. So if you do get ransomed, you can ignore the ransom, mm-hmm. pull the plug out of the wall, go about your business, re- reset your, your, your business up, restore from that from that backup and away you go. Mm-hmm. But people don't do that. They don't 
test their backups. They just take mm-hmm. it for granted that, yep, it's going to back up every night or every week. But when it doesn't, you yeah. could potentially lose weeks or months of data. So does that have an implication then? You're saying to back it up and then if something does happen and you get ransomware, you can pull out your backup uh, that's what you're saying. But then what happens if these cyber criminals have your records? Does that not then create another issue where they could just go, oh, well, you not you you know you have the data. They also have a copy of all your data. But what's to say that they're not going to just sell it all off anyway? They're not. There's this, How do you know? Well, you don't. <laughs> but but in our experience, and, and this is one of the things, they've, they've got a great business model at the moment because okay. they're, they're out there saying, we'll get hold of your data. Mm-hmm pay some ransom, we'll give it back to you. And if at any time through that transaction, they don't do what they're going to ask, there's this honour amongst thieves that if if I'm the threat actor and I ask you for a ransom and you pay it and I don't, and I don't give you what I've promised to give you, mm-hmm. the people then start to think about, well, don't pay a ransom because you'll never get your data back. Mm-hmm. And that's bad for business. Oh. So for them, often 99 times out of 100, they don't care what that data is. They're mm-hmm. just working off the mm-hmm. equation that that data is important to you. They don't want the data. Mm-hmm. They know that th- that data is important to you. You'll, you'll attribute a, a, a dollar value to that, mm-hmm. and they, they play on that. Now, whether it's a $5,000 ransom, a $5 million ransom, or anything in between, th- they just want a transaction to happen. Mm-hmm. And quite often, they want some return on that. So I, I mentioned that ransom that we responded to that where they'd been in the business for, for six months. They want to return on that that investment of their time, and it's not so much now. You've got cyber, you, you've got criminals running down the street with a bag of money under their arm because they've just broken into a bank. They're sitting in the in their bedrooms. I, I hate the image, but that mm-hmm. image of the the guy in the hoodie, mm-hmm. he might have twenty or fifty different different ransomwares going on at the same time all around the world. And that's the other thing about this: they don't need to be in the lo- the local. They could mm-hmm. be on the other side of the world. It's quite documented around where a lot of these are. They're they're around Russia. Mm-hmm. Eastern Bloc countries, and they're, they're doing it from the comfort of their, their unit. I should probably point out, though, this is illegal, isn't it? Very much so, okay. absolutely. And in fact, <laughs> right. that, 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 that's a fair point, because uh, just, just recently, one of the major, most successful ransomware syndicates called Revil, or Sodanokabi, one of the core founders of that business, had been caught. Mm, okay. And uh, one of the, So they do catch them? Oh, they do catch them, okay. yes. Um, and, and, and this guy was... Um, was throwing up on social media photos of uh, luxury watches, yachts, expensive cars. Mm-hmm. So the FBI was starting to use that information that the hacker was putting up. So if he had upset mm-hmm. anything, he oh. may have got away with it. But these are the types of things. It, law enforcement starting to, to, to catch up, that mm-hmm. you've got cyber-focused departments now within mm. within police uh, jurisdictions, uh, all those sorts of things. So um, there's, a, there's a big focus on it and, um, yeah, that they will get caught. Mm. So insurance is something that is important by the sounds of this. We should have it. Yeah, they, they should, but they shouldn't just buy the piece of paper that gives them the policy. Even though that I've run an insurance company, I think if, if a business has a dollar to spend, they should spend it on cybersecurity first. Mm-hmm. And then if they decide to, to transfer some of that risk to the business, then yes, buy, it, buy an insurance policy because it covers cheap. Mm-hmm. And you, you buy insurance for those days where um, those off days, mm. and um, and we've we've helped businesses large or small that um, when their businesses are gone, uh, if they don't get get help. And one of the one of the key differences between cyber insurance to other business insurance, property insurance, is that you get access to cyber experts. Okay. 
you get access to a 24-7 hotline. So if something happens, you've got experts to help you not only pay the bills, but experts in those areas, whether it's around forensics, data scientists, PR. So one of the things you've got to do is notify people that their information has been leaked and how you go about that, how you craft that message, mm-hmm. um, how you align that to your brand, crisis management. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the incidents we responded to a couple of years ago was a not-for-profit and they were a small business. They didn't have, they weren't resourced for this. Uh, the CEO wasn't media trained. So when, when you've got Channel 7 News in front of your face with a camera, you don't know what to do. So we had crisis management and a PR company sitting behind her, telling her what to say, what not to say, how to say it, mm-hmm. um, and staying ahead of the game. So mm-hmm. if you cast your mind back to when Facebook was hauled through the coals and they, one of the reasons for that was because they, they didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. So the media was starting to fill that space up. In our experience, owning the, the, the issue mm-hmm. uh, and keeping impacted individuals well informed and staying on the front foot um, helps not only the brand, mm. but also the, the, the rectification of, of that issue. So we're, we're very proactive around helping people get out there, uh, communicate, talk to, talk to their clients about that. So insurance takes care of all of that. Mm-hmm. If they can't operate, and earn revenue as a result of being hacked or having a cyber event, mm-hmm. then uh, the insurance policy also pays the business interruption okay. or the lost revenue as a result of that. So it, it's revenue, obviously, the lifeblood of the business. So while they're down and dealing with the issue of being hacked, we're, con- we're, we're continuing the, 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 the cash flow for the business so they can con- continue on uh, that business until they're up, back up and running on their own two feet. And then... It hasn't so much manifested itself in Australia yet, but it's definitely currently going on in the US and, and will be here, is this third-party issue. So people not liking the fact that a business has let their data and personal data be leaked out. So people are starting to develop class actions around that mm. business. So we help uh, the business in, in that regard as well. Um, and then another hot topic uh, it's kind of died down now because ransomware's taken it over. Is this thing around social engineering? So mm. people paying fake invoices, believing mm. that the invoice, uh, believing that the email and the invoice that's come in to pay a a five thousand dollar invoice or a fifty thousand dollar invoice is uh, is legitimate. Mm. Social engineering is just about tricking or duping people into doing something that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And pers- someone in accounts payable that's getting uh, an invoice sent from the CEO to say, Sarah, please pay this and, and pay it urgently. And you go and do it. We should do what your manager says. Mm-hmm. And you don't find out until after the fact when you're making coffee in the kitchen and you go, okay, well, why was that urgent? Mm-hmm. So, I didn't send that. Mm-hmm. So not only does insurance pay for identifying what the issue was and how they got in and rectifying that situation, but insurance will also pay for the lost money through, that, through paying that invoice. And we've seen it numerous times where two businesses that have been doing business with each other for over 20 years and have a really good relationship kind of go sour because of an invoice that's been paid. One party's paid the invoice, the other party, party hasn't received it. Mm. Uh, so they're out of pocket. And then there's an argument ensues and, and, and the relationship that's endured number of years no longer is sustainable because they're in this argument around, well, you owe me money, yeah. which is really sad, but that's the reality that we're in. And you've seen it, so you would know. So yes. I guess it's a, that in itself really is a really good incentive to look into cyber insurance for a business in the fact of you might not get revenue in the time that you're down. So I think that's 
Very much so. And I think people need, uh, like, sovereign insurance is quite quite new to the market. So people don't understand it. When businesses are sitting down with their insurance broker and the insurance broker is talking to them about the risks to their business Mm. and what insurances should they they have in place to cover those risks or, or at least transfer those risks into insurance, this is certainly one area to think about because the likelihood of your building burning down or getting burgled is less is becoming less and less. Okay. But the the more reliant, like I can't think of a business these days that isn't reliant on technology in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. And if that's if that's the heartbeat of the organisation and how my team interacts, how we deal with customers, etc., then that becomes quite important. And the fact that you can't feel and touch data or mm-hmm. connectivity or IT systems is irrelevant. It's if, if that didn't operate on a day-to-day basis, could my business be operational? And if the answer is no, you need to start thinking about that. Are you looking to grow your business? We have a fantastic team of experience-led business advisors and online toolboxes that can guide you to scaling your business. You can find all the information at businesscentre.com.au. If I'm a business and I want to come and see you, does it make it easier for you if I've already had a risk assessment and a plan in place and then come to you and show you what I've got and where to go to then next? Is that easier or, you know, do most insurance companies go through it with you? So through the acquisition process, we'll, we'll ask the, the business to fill out a proposal form mm-hmm. and, part of the, and some of the questions in that are, do you have a backup plan? Do you do you train your staff? Mm-hmm. Do you have a disaster recovery plan? Have you done a, a vulnerability assessment? Those sorts of things. Now, mm-hmm. if you answer no to those, mm-hmm. then that'll impact the the, the cost the of your cost. premium. Okay. But if you if you present a good risk to, to the insurance company, that is that you train people, uh, you've got the documentation in place, you have backups, uh, you test backups, you encrypt data while it's sto- it being stored. These sorts of things. They're all, they're all good things to have in place to help mitigate the risk. So therefore, if the risk is mitigated, then the cost of your insurance will reflect that. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, be a lot cheaper. And I go back to a previous point that if you've got a dollar to spend, spend it on getting your business, making implementing multi-factor authentication, mm-hmm. making sure your backups are, uh, are up to scratch. So basically, good hygiene around the business. And then once you've done that, and and then you realise that you, how much how much ever money you throw at cybersecurity, you'll never be hundred percent secure. So the business just needs to make a call. This mm-hmm. is the budget I've got for cybersecurity. I spend within that budget. I know that there's a risk to the business. Now I want to transfer that risk into insurance. Mm-hmm. And it's not a just do one thing, but if it's a combination of both, that's probably the best thing that the business can do. Something I just sort of thought about is that pre-COVID, there was a lot of co-working spaces coming up. So I guess the sharing of information and being in such close proximity within offices in these large workspaces, how would that affect my policy? Does it affect it? I'm not sure. No, because one of the things that we define in the policy is around infrastructure. Now, the infrastructure in that business, now, if I, if I outsource it, if, if I rent it, if I own it, that's how I go about my business. So we would cover all that. That would all be covered under the policy. Okay. Um, your data is your data. So while you might use infrastructure that's rented or etc., mm-hmm. the data that you own or that you transact to do your business, no one else has that, mm-hmm. and that's obviously covered under the policy as well. And even I think business owners now, or even even workers working from home in their rug boots and pair of shorts, know that 
when Zoom doesn't work, um, if you have issues with Wi-Fi at home and you can't get access to data, it becomes quite frustrating. When things are humming along, I think everyone has been quite pleased over the last 18 months that um, the world hasn't fallen in, businesses haven't fallen over, and they can con- continue on. And we're, we're seeing now that, that that will change the way that work work will happen into the future, which I think is a fantastic thing. So have you seen a, an intake and an increase of awareness of cybersecurity in the past two years because we are working from home, et cetera, and, you know, or remotely, Wi-Fi, VPNs, all those sorts of things. So have you seen, yeah, I guess, what are the changes on that? Yeah, massive changes on that. I think the, the penny's finally dropped that cybersecurity or, or just IT and the, the reliance on technology in businesses has just been um, highlighted so, so much. And it used to be the bosses didn't want people to work at home for whatever reasons. Mm. They mightn't have been set up, et cetera. But what we found very quickly, that even if the business wasn't set up for people to work remotely, that didn't take long for businesses to get back to get that in place. And then the next hurdle was, okay, now that that's in place, do I trust my, my staff to actually work? That mm. they're not going to the pantry, eating food, and they're doing the washing, mm. and they're doing those sorts of things. And now that we're over that, because you know what, they were productive. Mm. Uh, you did have people going in there at 6am rather than being on the bus. You, you did have them work, uh, logging on after the kids went to bed for a couple of hours, etc. So yes, they might have put the washing on, but the, the employer was getting more from their staff from working at home. And I think staff li- liked the fact that they could do that. They could duck out and get the kids and from school and come home and, and continue on. So productivity wasn't lost, but the working day for the employee was probably extended a bit to kind of help plug the holes that they might have taken off during the day. But I think once employers knew that that, that, that could happen, I think they're quite um, open to the fact that this will be the way that the people will work into the future. I guess there's a big trust thing around in regards to making sure that your employees are trained in security to prevent any breaches, possible breaches, you know, sun could come home and jump on your computer or something like that. So I guess you need to keep that in mind. And whose responsibility would that be? Yeah, training's a big issue. If you rock up to your workplace, your head's in the game. Mm. So you're there, you know you're going to be there all day, you, you're in the game. Yeah, it might, you, your mind might wander a bit every now and then, but you, you, you're at work. Mm. Now, and, and I think that one of the things that's driving this whole thing around cybersecurity and particularly cyber insurance is that when pe- people that are at home, they might put the washing on, the door might ring with a the delivery, they're coming back to their desk, etc. So there's this hybrid thing going on where there's some personal life bleeding into their work life and vice versa. So people aren't continually aren't 100% in the game and that's when mistakes happen. Mm. And one of the, one of the key things that I that I talk about to businesses is you're not buying cyber insurance now to protect your hardware, your laptops, your infrastructure. You're buying cyber insurance to protect the business against the mistakes their employees make. Now, we all do it and um, I'm sure that people have clicked on emails that they shouldn't or they know that someone that has. When these phishing emails come in, they look legitimate, they click on a link or an attachment uh, and that's when the virus comes into the system and, and they're in. So a good mitigant around that is training for your staff. It's cost effective, it's very simple to administer. There's, there's a plethora of providers out there that, that can do that. And when you teach your staff what to look for in an email, and I'd I'd say to people all the time, if you get an email and it doesn't sit well in your gut that you think it's it's not legitimate, do not click on it. Delete the email, report it, 
because if it is a legitimate email, what's going to happen? Like, if they don't hear from you for a few days, they'll either chase you up with another another email or they'll pick up the phone and give Mm. you a call. Mm. So I'd rather that happen Mm. and go, oh, sorry, Sarah, I saw your email come in the other day and it it just didn't look right, so I deleted it. Like, Mm. I'd I'd rather have that conversation than go, oh, I've clicked on an email, Mm. I've now brought a virus into into my system (laughs) and I've now compromised all my clients and the business as a result of me making making uh, an error. So training and talking to your staff about that so in weekly weekly team meetings monthly team meetings whenever it is just raise it just mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. it when you're continually talking about it it's front of mind people are just it just raises awareness and people think about it more often and that goes for your phone too doesn't it because i've been getting some crazy text messages about sorry i didn't send this sooner click on the link and i'm like oh my god I'm getting daily pretty much yeah very much so yeah. Very much so. And I know that Telstra has been tapped on the shoulder a lot around what what are they doing mm. to help this sort of stuff because it, it it's spam. Mm. Just like we're getting on our in our computers, we're getting spam on our phone as well mm. and it's not stopping. <laughs> it's actually getting it is, more, it's getting more frequent, isn't it? Do you have a business idea but you're not sure it'll work? We have small business toolboxes and expert business advisors to support and guide you through your startup process. Contact us via our website to find out how. Businesscentre.com.au Actually, I would like to go back and I think it's a hot topic that you say that you're getting into some, uh, I'll say, heated discussions perhaps or being very vocal about things and it could be going on to this one. So I recently looked at the Cybersecurity Cooperative Research Centre, so the CSCRC. It's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. And their Chief Executive, Rachel Falk, and the Director of Corporate Affairs and Policy, uh, Anne-Louise Brown, they've both said that cyber insurance should not cover ransom or extortion payments and a recommendation prohibiting insurance offering cyber insurance policies from making any ransom or extortion payments as part of any cyber insurance offering instead what their recommendations are that organizations should focus on a response and recovery so is this what you are perhaps referring to yes it is and i i I note that report they they didn't engage the insurance companies they didn't engage industry they didn't uh, engage impacted businesses to get their stories as well but essentially uh the 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 crux of the report said that because cyber insurance covers ransoms Mm -hmm. that Cyber insurance companies are the reason why people are getting ransomed, mm. and I, I, I think that's that's totally incorrect. It's just like saying that this is uh, a heated discussion. Oh, then, very isn't much it? so. Well, it, it it is because like if if you if you apply that logic across all insurance, you can say that because business insurance covers uh, burglary, mm-hmm. that the insurance companies have created burglars, bl- burglars, <laughs> Burg- or, or, or theft, <laughs> yeah, or because insurance covers fires that that we've that we've created fires but uh, burning down buildings and one of the reasons why ransomware is, is such a hot topic is because it's this moral dilemma it's illegal mm-hmm. and you're funding illegal activity mm. i totally get that that mm. that is not lost on me mm. however if you if you look at it from the side of the business if that business is gone and there's been plenty of businesses that have disappeared as a result of being hacked through a cyber event you've got family businesses where they've worked their their heart and soul to start up a business or continue that business to through generations in mm-hmm. some cases, and when that can be impacted 
um, very quickly, very swiftly by someone on the other side of the globe that's got into your IT and something that you've worked hard for and toiled hard for and, and employee people, if one of the if one of the get out clauses is paying that ransom, then I would absolutely consider it. Mm-hmm. So there's no law against paying ransoms then? It's like no not, not at this stage. Okay. Now I think I don't know where the what what the government thinks about this, but mm-hmm. they they are well. When the Labor minister put on the table a couple of months ago that they want to start, they want businesses to start informing them around ransom payments, mm-hmm. etc. I think this is they, they need some data. Mm-hmm. They've got zero data at the moment. When the government brought in the mandatory notification scheme in February 2018, prior to that there was. We knew that there was cyber events going on and businesses were getting hacked. We just didn't, didn't know to what extent. Mm. Um, and, well, we and a lot of people were relying on stuff that was happening in the US because that, was, mm-hmm. that data was out in the public, etc. Mm. But what we've seen, that the Office of the Information um, Privacy Commission, they, they, they're publishing those, that data on a quarterly basis, half-yearly and yearly basis. So we're actually seeing now particularly the, the, the cyber attacks that are being reported, we've now got data. So we do know that businesses are getting hacked. We do know that the vast majority of those are SMEs. Mm-hmm. So it's dispelling a lot of myths along the way. And now that we're, we're starting to see this ransomware problem and that we're starting to report on that, I think, well, there's data there. So what the, what the outcome or what the resolution is or, or, or what the strategy is around using that data will, will, will come. So do you report these breaches as an insurer? Do you do that? Or is it up to the the company or the business to report it? Yep. And where does that report go? Like if I don't have an insurance company and I need to report that there's a breach, is, it, is there a law in place that I, I need to submit those reports? Or, you know, if I come to see yourself as an insurer or another insurer, you will do that on my behalf? Is that correct? Yeah, so there is a legal obligation now. It's called okay. the, the Mandatory Notifi- Notifiable Data Breach Scheme. Okay. came into effect in 2018. And there's certain things that businesses have to do if, they've, if they're breached. So at the do moment, you get in trouble if you don't do it? If they find out, then oh. definitely. Okay. If you're a business with turnover of, of $3 million or more, mm-hmm. if you handle personal information mm-hmm. and you're breached, then you've got 30 days to notify the Privacy Commissioner and tell them what's happened, what information has been exposed, what you're doing about it, and, and when you're going to do it. Okay. And we hold our client's hand through that process. We actually do it for them. Okay. Yeah, so like I said before, insurance, is, it, it's more than... When you're buying cyber insurance, it's more than just the piece yeah. of paper and, and the dollar value to it. We have experts that help them along on, along the way okay. uh, and basically take all that angst off them and, and, and we do all those sorts of things. Now, once we tell the Privacy Commissioner and what's happened, they might come back and go, yep, that's all good, thanks very much, mm-hmm. carry on. Mm-hmm. Well, they might go, oh, okay, well, there was a lot of personal information records in that. What are you doing about it? Give me some more information. How are you communicating? Those sorts of things. So I won't call them a watchdog, but they're mm-hmm. definitely someone there acting in the best interests of uh, the Australian citizens to make sure that how we're responding and how we're getting that business back up and running is done in the, in the right way. Okay, cool. Maybe back to what cyber insurance covers. Like, I was pretty impressed the other night. I was talking to a friend that's got a well-known hairdressing salon in Newcastle, and she, oh no, we were talking about some of the scary stories, and I said, you should probably think about getting some cyber insurance. And she said, I already do, babe. And I was very impressed. 
and she said to cover her for obvious the obvious the ransomware and stuff like that but also you know if a staff steals all the data or a cyber bullying and stuff like that so is is that so it covers all of that as well i'm really impressed too I like who would have thought a hairdressing yeah, salon? Yeah, she said I've had it buying. for years. Yeah. yeah, for five years. I think that, yeah. that's impressive. That's mm-hmm. that's brilliant. Yeah, and I think this is starting to break to break the mindset of it's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. I don't work in a, a data intensive business. These sorts of things, but that's a great example mm. around a business thinking about what risk does my business face and how do I mitigate those risks and how do I transfer those and that's where in, where insurance comes in. So that that's really impressive. Now. I've talked about it at, at a high level, some of the things that it covers, but kind of just to recap and, and bring it uh, quite succinctly. So one of the things that covers is what we call cyber event response costs. So we have a 24-7 helpline. So if they have any incident, they give us a call and we have cybersecurity experts on that on the end of that call that helps them with that initial piece of information around what they should do immediately understand what the issues are, what they should do immediately, and what we're going to do in the next couple of hours to help the process flow. So that might be getting in forensic accountants. Uh, it might be um, how do we manage that, uh, cybersecurity experts, uh, incident response people, getting to understand what the impact is. Now, so all that's covered. I mentioned PR costs before. Uh, we've even covered the cost of a temporary call center because the the business wasn't set up so once we communicated with all the clients that had been impacted part of that letter was we would cover the cost of credit monitoring so the insurance company would pay for some credit monitoring so if someone wanted to apply for a, a passport for instance mm-hmm. that would notify and we could stop that a lot of the times when these people get these letters they're quite curious what did this letter what's the impact to me etc so they want to pick up the phone and talk to someone mm-hmm. and this business didn't have staff trained or they didn't have enough staff to, to handle the calls that were coming in so we had to set up a temporary call center mm-hmm. with trained staff to help with the overflow and to take these phone calls to help talk to their clients and when i talk about impact on brand uh, and reputation these things are quite important for the longevity of the business not not the, the immediate one week two weeks two months after the attack, it's like, how, how does my business continue mm. to endure for years uh, for years over? And there, there, there's been a, a number of businesses, like Landmark White is one, which was an, AS, an ASX-listed company that had been breached. Um, they, they, they end up changing their name to oh, get wow. away from wow. the stigma around having this, this breach involved. Yeah. And you mentioned mm-hmm. before, Kristen, around people stealing data, their employees yeah. now. Mm. This is a major issue. Really? Yep, absolutely. Really? Yep. Okay. Do tell me more. (laughs) Thanks for bringing it up, actually. So, Landmark White, and this is all very well documented. So, when you go and apply for a loan to buy a house, the bank typically goes and needs to get a valuation on that house that you've bought. There's one provider for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, there's only a couple, but Landmark White is one of them. And they go out, they have a look at the, the property, they come back and go, yes, that property is worth a million dollars or whatever it is. All that data was exposed. Now, over a number of years, that company was using a couple of IT contractors. And in fact, it was it was the IT contractor that hacked into the, the system and stole that data from the business. Now, it's major. And when you're relying on that data as a competitive advantage against your competitors out in the market, that's quite valuable. And if that data is, is leaked or stolen then that impacts the viability of the business. Mm. 
And a lot of the findings that are coming out now and uh, the data breach investigation report, which is a global report, we've been providing data to that for the last four years. They've reported last year that the increase of people internal to the organisation stealing data is increasing. One of the ways to, to, to combat that, oh, and also it's they're not coming in at 2 a.m. in the morning when the likelihood of someone in the office is, is quite low. They're actually doing it in daylight hours underneath the nose of co-workers. One of the good ways to combat that is that you only give that person or that role access to data that they need just to do their job. Mm. So if I'm in finance, you don't give me access to the database that gives me the uh, access to finance, gives me H- access to HR and access to engineering. You just give me that um, so I can't go snooping around. And if you can start to put up those walls and, and decompartmentalise that data, that helps mitigate some of that sort of stuff. There's simple tools now where you can have reporting. So if people are trying to plug in a USB into the computer, that'll set, a, set an alert. Uh, if people are starting to, to download files from your, your computer, that will set up an alert. So th- there are things available to businesses today that they can implement to help raise awareness around this. Absolutely. So who would I ask? I can ask my insurer. Uh, you can ask your insurer, uh, you can ask if you outsource your IT, you manage, you manage service provider, mm-hmm. you, you can have these conversations okay. with those guys. Okay, well, yep. that's good to know. Well, yeah, we do need to be wrapping up because well, we could talk all day, couldn't we? Oh, we could talk all day <laughs> about we this really stuff. We really could. So, well, let's just sum it up today because we can certainly chat to you on many more podcasts later on. Tell me, tell us three steps that you would recommend today in doing implementing multi-factor authentication and do that yesterday having good backup plans in place and and testing those backups and incorporating some air gapping so take a take a download of your backups and and disconnect that from the network and and have a process in place around that uh, and good password management okay and insurance with emergence yeah that, that'd help <laughs> what are three things that i would need to do first before i come and see you or another insurance company because we can't be biased yeah and and that's fine i think australia is, a, is an sme economy there's mm. there's 2.4 2.5 million businesses in australia the take-up rate of cyber insurance is in single single digits and that's why it's so impressive um mm. that, a, that a, a a micro a micro business is taking it up so have, raising awareness around that and saying this is out there a lot of people think that it's, it's expensive mm-hmm. it's not not having it is expensive mm-hmm. And if you've got good hygiene, good cybersecurity practices, it helps minimise the risk. And it's, it doesn't minimise the risk by a bit. Having simple, putting simple things in place helps mitigate the risk exponentially mm-hmm. to a point where, yes, you can't be 100% secure, but you can have, very simply, have pretty good controls in place with not too much effort. All right. So look at our hygiene, risk, and uh, contact our insurance company to help us out and have a chat at least to get started. Sounds good. Oh, well, thank you so very much, Troy, oh, for coming pleasure. today. It's thank awesome. You, Troy. Love talking great. about it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more, we recommend checking out our Cybersecurity Culture Program. This project is funded by the Australian Government Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources through the Cybersecurity Business Connect and Protect Program. Whether you have a micro, small, medium or large business, cybersecurity is everyone's business. It's up to everyone to be aware, know how to protect and how to act if breached. 
feel free to reach out and connect with our cyber experts to review your cyber fitness, strengthen your cyber security, and implement strategies that will help protect your customers and your brand. Call the Business Centre on 4925-7700 or connect via our website, businesscentre.com.au. Would you like to connect with Troy from Emergence Insurance? We'll help you out. Contact the Business Centre and we'll pass on your inquiry. Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast today, please review and rate us through iTunes and follow and share on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn at the Business Centre.